Read verses 28 through 30 in Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Let's bow our heads tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, grateful for this time of opportunity to once again, Lord, gather around your word, to spend time together, Lord, in study, but also to spend time in seeking and worshiping the Almighty God. Father, I thank you for this privilege that we have to come together in like-minded faith, this precious thing that you give to us, Father. I thank you, Lord, for this order, this request that you have for us, Lord, to bring our burdens and things to you, Lord, that you might hear them, that we might present them to you to do with what you want to, Father. We thank you for the requests that you give us. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand better, Lord, your right to do these things, to ask these things of us, and the justness in giving them to you. Help us, Lord, to do our reasonable service. We give you the glory tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in sports analysis and in corporate presentations and in any number of things where you have gatherings together, people love to present graphs and diagrams and that sort of thing. Back when I was still in public service, there were every time I'd go to a convention or go to a, a, a gathering, a training seminar or something like that, or just had training in the station, there were always graphs and that sort of thing, trying to give some kind of pictorial representation of what we were trying to get across for that respective training session. And uh, I remember this one, this guy that probably, uh, probably a number of you might be familiar with. His name's Gordon Graham, and he's a risk analysis uh, expert. And I really enjoyed his presentation. I saw him a number of times speak uh, live or on video or that sort of thing. But I remember this one graph that he had, and it was just a set up in quadrants, a y-axis and x-axis. And he presented the likelihood of tragedy in a respective incident or respective event, public service specific, the likelihood of tragedy based on the frequency that that incident might occur and the risk involved in it. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but essentially he said a high-risk incident, something that has a great deal of risk and a great deal of danger, that is done oftentimes high frequency. Uh, you don't have much worry, a great deal of worry about catastrophe or tragedy happening because you have the frequency of that event happening, giving you training and familiarity with that. Low risk, low frequency, obviously. If there's not much risk involved, uh, well, just say it, low risk and high frequency. If you do it all the time and it's low risk, next to no worry. But it's those high risk, low frequency uh, events, those scenarios, those things that are super high risk and dangerous and you don't do them very often, they presented a great deal of danger. Anyway, I gave you more information there than you wanted to know about about uh, Gordon Graham, but that diagram stuck with me, and I oftentimes think of it when I think about, well, the Lord's dealing with us, uh, not necessarily on risk-benefit, but in regards to, well, here's the diagram. It's reason versus right, and these are in regards to the things that he does ask us for, asks from us. 
the, not, I'm not going to say just order because we're not under the law and that sort of thing. The Lord requests a number of things from us. This, this represents, you'll see that y-axis there. It says the rightness of it. Now, these are my own, my own specific terms for this graph. But the rightness of the request, which is obvious when it comes to the Lord. Um, rightness, I mean, I can just get right to the spoiler on that one. He's always right, so you can always consider that what he asks us to do is always going to be high in rightness. And then the reason behind it, or the rationale before, behind it, or, or how much reason and how much purpose there is to those things that he asks us to. The purpose and the justification for one's actions is that reason, and the authority is the right that he has, or I guess I got that swapped around, the, the rightness of it. The righteousness of it is that vertical axis. I'll explain it better here in a second. Uh, We simplify it into four different things here. If you look in these quadrants, if you consider something the Lord has asked you to do, you can ask yourself and you can put it into each one of these quadrants, consider if it was right for him to do it, if he has the authority to do that. Always, always put it into the high rightness part. Always put it into the highest authority. He has the right to do it. And how much reason does he have behind these things? Now, uh, if, if you consider your own actions, your own, if we can put this in kind of a, I don't know, a practical application. I'll give you an example of something that is, well, has high reason but no right, no authority. You're at the grocery store. And, you know, someone parks there in their Mercedes and they take up, I mean, it's completely full parking lot. And here's a guy and he's taking up two spots and there's nowhere else to park. Absolutely no place else. You could get out and you could tell him, move this car. (laughs) Move it over so that I can put my truck here, so I can put my car here. You, well, you'd have the reason to do it and you'd have the logic and the rationale behind that, but you wouldn't have any authority. And he could tell you, forget you, I'm not... I'm not going to do anything. Uh, The second action would be something where you have the right to do something. You have the authority to do something, but you have no reason. I'm not going to give you an example for yourself, but history is full of people who had the authority given to them by their respective organizations, their respective government, their respective monarchy, whatever the case might be. They had the authority to order something, direct something, perhaps didn't have any reason to. Not good reason anyway. I've read stories about different dictators and different monarchs throughout history that would say, just to demonstrate their authority over somebody, take this knife and remove that finger, or something worse. And those people that were dedicated to those ones would do it, because they had the authority. If they didn't do it for themselves, then, well, they would do it for them. Uh, They were the sovereign one. They had the right. Not necessarily any good reason. Action number three would be one that has no reason and no right, no authority. I had a guy come by the station one time, and he was the same rank as I am, or not am. <laughs> He's much higher than I am now. Um, he was the same rank as me, and he had his two kids with him. He just swung by the station for whatever reason. He was off duty. And I was sitting there. It was in the evening, time to kind of chill out. Had a busy day, sitting there on a recliner, and his kids came in, and they looked at me with scorn. <laughs> You know, like, why don't you get out there and wash that truck out there, they told me. I'm like, (laughs) Uh, yeah, why don't you go wash that truck, you know, whatever. Just kind of teased them back. I thought they were teasing. And they sat there and never took their eyes off of me. And and here comes their dad. And they said, Dad, make him get up and wash that truck. And 
Well, I saw his face go red, and you could tell, without getting too deep into it, you could tell that he had, well, let his kids believe that he had the authority to tell us to get up and go wash the truck. Well, he said, oh, they've had a busy day, kids, just leave him alone, no worries. And so we kind of just let it go with that. Um, Yeah, he had no authority over me. He had no reason to have me go wash the truck, and he had no right to tell me that. Now, action number four, and this is going to be the upper right-hand corner that you see there. High right, high authority, and high reason. That represents every single thing that the Lord God calls from you, requests from you, asks from you. These are those actions, those, now again, I'm not going to say commands, those requests that he makes where the one has the authority to direct however they choose, and they have reason to do so. They have purpose behind those things. And that's where God stands. God has both reason and right in everything that he calls us to. He has the right because he has the authority as our God. We understand this. Who is God except the Lord? Psalm 18 verse 31 tells us. Who is a rock except our God? Hell and destruction are before the Lord. Proverbs 15 11. So how much more the hearts of the sons of men All things are below him. All things are beneath him. He has that authority. There's nothing that he doesn't have sovereignty or the right to call anything from those things. There's nothing that's not beneath him. He is the Almighty, the all-knowing, the self-existent one as we consider all the time. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. There's nothing left out of that, well, of those parameters there. What can the clay say to the potter, Paul says? God has the right to do anything, ask of anything, command anything that he so chooses. But what makes God different is that he doesn't always exercise his right. He doesn't just do things simply as a result of that authority that he has. He doesn't call things from us simply because he wants to see us dance. He doesn't point the, re- the revolver and say, pow, 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 and make us just hop up and down like a marionette simply because he has that power. I've never enjoyed uh, watching, you know, we went to SeaWorld some time ago in San Antonio, and I didn't enjoy watching Shamu swim all over the place. It's not little. Big fin, dorsal fin folded over because that's what happens in captivity with those orcas, those killer whales. I've never enjoyed seeing big, huge grizzly bears put on stupid hats and dance around. Uh, it's not my thing because I think that that's not what they want to do. I don't think that Shamu wants to be in a 25,000-gallon aquarium when he could be outside doing his own thing, and he's demonstrated that a number of times, unfortunately. I don't enjoy seeing elephants with a chain around their leg being made to stand on their heads or to sit and put their foot on the guy's head, and he goes, hey, you know, he's not squashing me, you know. Uh, Bullfights and the like, I don't enjoy those, and I'll be honest with you. I root for the bull. (laughs) I pull for the bull in those things because it's cruel, it's unusual, and it's something that, well, that they exercise... Dominion, certainly, that we've been given by God, but that's not the sort of dominion that the Lord looks for. I don't like seeing people do things simply for no reason when it causes issues. Now, uh, I do believe that these elephants, they could smoke that trainer if they wanted to. Uh, Gators, when people put their heads inside every now and then, pow, you know, that can happen. You start messing with the bull, sometimes you get the horns. Now listen, when the Lord, if the Lord chose to mess with us, he's not going to get the horns. I can't harm him. I can't bite him. I can't do what a, a grizzly bear would do to a poor trainer or anything like that. But I'm glad that he doesn't do that to me nonetheless. 
He has an end purpose for every work. He has an end purpose and a goal and an objective and a, and a desire for every order, every request, everything that he presents before me and you. And that's what we opened up with, that altogether familiar passage that we just read. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are at the called, according to his purpose. If he has called you to his purpose, if he has called you as his child for his reasons and his purpose, and he most certainly has, if you are a child of God, he has beckoned you by name to an eternity, not just to walk through, but well, to lay up riches in heaven for yourself. And if he has called you to that, then his express purpose for every direction that he gives to you is to accomplish your good. Now that sounds rather simple, and you know why? Because it is that simple. Uh, he wants, that's, that's his desire. That's his purpose. His reason for creating you, you're good. His reason for saving you, you're good. His reason for correcting you is for your good. His reason for perfecting you is for your good. Just as he chose us in him in Ephesians 1 verse 4, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That was his desire and his purpose for every Every request out of you, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That's what he desired. That's what he wanted and wants from you. So the good pleasure of his will involves his simply saying, let me present to you the option for good. Let me present to you the direction for good and everything that he sets before you. Difficult, easy, pleasant, unjust feeling it's for your good it's for our blessing we say it all the time god has a plan and they are good plans Uh, eternal blessing is what he seeks for us and it's as simple as that no ulterior motives for you no simple flexes that he's trying to do no pointing the gun and saying dance for my entertainment or anyone else's not looking for a quick buck He's not interested in money or any of those things. He's looking for your riches to be treasured up. God does not waste his authority, his right, by having us do things without good reason. There are no exceptions to that statement when it says all things work together for good. All things, under any circumstances that you give over to the Lord, all things will work together for good. And so if we look at our, our diagram here, then everything that he asks us to falls into that little segment right there. Every direction, every calling, every request, everything that he presents to you is made with the express purpose of benefiting you, of laying up riches for you, of profiting you, of growing you, deepening your faith and perfecting you. Everything that he calls from you. That means that when he tells us to redeem the time, which he does, redeem the time. Not wasting a single minute. It means that he's not wasting it either. I think that that's rather interesting. That the Lord's not interested in wasting your time. Just as he doesn't want you to waste time. So when he calls us to something. When he asks us to do something. If it's as simple as speaking to him. And bringing your needs and your requests to him. Don't take it for granted. When he calls for you to assemble together. Don't take it for granted. He's not wasting your time. He has every authority to demand that that be so. Whatever the situation might be, whatever the request might be. But he also has the reason behind it. And it's a loving, godly, gracious reason for your good. I praise the Lord that he's willing to perfect. Perfect us by giving us only things that are not time wastes, but only eternal in their blessing and profit for us. Simple thought for us tonight. And a simple grasp for you to remember it by.